There's a spot. Lord, provided. Hey, God bless you guys. Barista, what's going on? God bless you. Hey, how's it going, man? I want the normal, my usual. Yeah, actually, we have a couple girls in line already. If I could just get you to move to the back, and I'll help you as soon as I'm done with that. Sorry about that. Last week first, first will be last. Dude. Do you go to church at all? Do you go to church at all? So do you go to church at all? Hey, is this seat open? Hey, is this seat available? Uh, Dude, I just wanted to knock out some devos real quick. Spend some time with Jesus. I woke up kind of late this morning. Yeah, come on, let's go over. Let's go over. Let me sit down. I just want to share something from God's word. He hit me up in my devos this morning. And I was like, I got to share this. Genesis 1, 1. Thirsty, huh? Getting some water? Yeah. Yeah, I know the living water. I was noticing that you're drawing some stuff over here. Back before when I wasn't a Christian, I, I was making so much money as a graphic designer. You been born again? You've been born again? Born again? And you need to quit walking in the flesh. I mean, obviously you don't really know God, your tattoos, and you know, in your ear and stuff. If you don't start out the day by just bathing yourself in prayer, the day doesn't even go that well. You're not realizing that there is a God. He sent Jesus to die for you. Why don't you see that? And in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, I just would go to these crazy parties. It was crazy. Well, I mean, just cash, like crazy, but uh, but I've left all that behind. Now I'm a Christian. You can't live life without God. He's not real. He's here. I can't yes, see him. Yes, he is. I'm just not getting through to you. God I can't is real. Touch him. Yeah, you can't touch Africa, but Africa exists. I just have to say, I'm blessed. Too blessed to be stressed by the devil's mess. What's holding you back from committing your life to Jesus Christ? It's probably the sin in your life is what's going on. (laughs) Scared? Hell is scary. Why don't you look at that girl right there? Look at her. She's going to die. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. She's going to die. If you're going to die, where do you think you would go? Man, that sounded hot. I wonder how hot hell is. Hopefully you don't go there. Oh, this is good. The New Testament is so just applicable. Have you guys noticed this? Hey, you got to be washed by the blood of the Lamb. I mean, so that you are justified, sanctified, future glorified. I mean, this is amazing. you got to come out. Do you drive a Volkswagen? Yeah, yeah, I do. But regardless, man, you got to come to church. Hey, remember what I said? Hell, scary. Good morning. Well, when it comes to life on mission, don't be that guy. Yeah, don't be, yeah, you're like, aw. No, don't be that guy at all. Yeah, uh, welcome back uh, to Crestview. Last few weeks, we've been talking about life on mission, living our life on mission. Um, I'm just going to just breathe through a little bit of what we've been doing. Um, In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it sums up exactly what life on mission is to us. It says, but you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's saying, you know what, wherever you are, that's where you're sent. It's not for the, for the missionaries, it's not for the pastors. No, we are the missionaries, we are the pastors, and wherever we're, we're sent. And we need to be that, that person, we need to be that witness. Last couple of weeks, we learned about how to connect, how to be intentional with the relationships that we're, that we're building with other people. Uh, last week, about how to show uh, Christ's love through service. Earn the right to be heard before you share with your mouth. And today, yeah, it's the E word, evangelism, yeah? Sharing your faith, sharing your faith. All these things, the connect, serve, share, have to do at, at Crestview, it, one word, deploy. Deploy, it's all about making, having, sending out disciples to impact the world. Now, like I said, today, the, the, the word of the day is share, Share, sharing our faith, spreading the good news, 
And like I said, that E word, that evangelism. For some reason, I'm not looking for a show of hands, but I'm sure some of you guys were like, oh man. Started sweating a little bit. Maybe you gave a glance over the door like, can I just slide out of here? I'd be fine if you was talking about reading your Bible more or praying more. That's cool. And I'd probably be fine if you said, I mean, we should do a three-day fast. I mean, I don't know about that, but I have a few pounds to lose, so I'll probably be okay with that. But when it comes to sharing our faith, we kind of, it kind of gets a little tense. And What's up with that? Why is that? Maybe it's because we might have the wrong idea about evangelism. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word, I, I kind of immediately go towards, I don't know why, but maybe Jehovah's Witnesses, yeah? Everybody has been there, like you're in your PJs on a Saturday morning, the kids are watching cartoons, and you hear a knock on the door, and you peek out, you're like, okay, is there any way I cannot answer the door, yeah? That, that kind of door-to-door type of thing. Well, I, I don't agree with uh, the, 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 the theology of Jehovah's Witnesses, however, I, I do tend to... You know what? I admit that, that I admire the quality of getting after it, of being that witness, going door to door and, and sharing what, sharing what their, their, their faith is. Something I read as a result is, uh, and I was kind of blown away, they put in like 6,500 hours going door to door in order just to gain one convert. That's like over two years of eight-hour days of going door-to-door just to gain one convert. I don't think it's the most effective way of doing it. However, like I said, they do what they believe. You know, they're called the Jehovah's Witnesses. Emphasis on the witness. Yeah? And you know what? Sometimes I think, man, they do a better job of that than we do with the real truth. So, today we're talking all about evangelism and sharing our, our faith. And you know what? It's okay to get a little sweaty. It's okay to have a little tension. I hope you come away with, with, with today with, with a burden uh, of people around you that, that need to know more about him. But I'm thinking, it's not the fact that we have, a lot of you guys don't have problems sharing. I mean, if I were to go around to the guys, but how's your bracket doing? Oh, man. Villanova yesterday, they just kind of tanked me. Yeah, they broke, broke my, uh, my bracket. Or if I uh, want to chat with you about how, how do you think uh, basketball is going to be next year with the K-State or, 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 or football. You like, talk my ear off about it. And on Facebook, some of you guys share too much, okay? Let's go ahead and say that. <laughs> yeah? Yeah? You know, like uh, going on a fast and some of you ladies are like posting all these tasty recipes. I'm like, thanks for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> or nifty do-it-yourself uh, jobbies around the house or, you know what, you know who you are. The, the cute cat people. Yes. That's enough with cute cats. Okay. It's enough with cute cats. But it's like, it's like we don't have a problem with uh, preaching the good news about our favorite band or our favorite football team, or, or how our season's going, or even our family. You know, us parents, we, we like to talk about our kids too much, right? But it's not like we have a problem sharing. But when it comes to the guy who supposedly changed our life, who, who brought us from, from death to life, we start to get a little tense and clam up a little bit. And we start to feel, ah, it's not very politically correct. I don't know what I should say. It would just be awkward to do it. 
And it shouldn't be that way. It really shouldn't. Some of you guys have probably heard this, uh, this quote. And uh, St. Francis of Assisi, he, he once said, Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Right. You guys have heard that, right? Uh, show of hands, anybody out there? A few of us. What is, what we, Christians, we, we kind of latch on to that. It's like, you know what? That's great. So here's the deal. I'm going to preach the gospel with my actions. And I think that's very, very important. I think we need to show Christ's love before we tell of Christ's love. However, we think that's all we need to be doing. We, we, we hear that, that, that saying, it's a cool saying and all that. But we think we just focus on preach the gospel at all times through our actions. And you know what? Words, probably not. You, you know what? You go, you go ahead. Uh, you preach it all you want with your words, I'll do my actions. That, that's where it really counts. And I, I'm not saying being hypocrites. However, there are two big problems with this saying. The first one is, St. Francis, he never said it. It's something that what we hear and has been said time and time again, but he never did. There's no proof that he ever said it. And the second problem is, even if he had a chance to do it, he probably wouldn't have done it because he knows it's important to have, live life for Christ and show Christ's love with our actions in addition to our words. Both are very necessary. Ed Stetzer, a, a pastor, he kind of summed it up really well in this. He's saying, preach the gospel when necessary, use words. is a lot like saying, feed the hungry when necessary, use food. Both are silly when people are in need of bread and the bread of life. So proclaim it out loud to people without Christ. Verbalizing is so very important. We need to have a reason. We need to be able to give the reason for the hope that we have. That's what Peter says exactly that. He says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, he said, you know what? It's going to happen. You're going to have an opportunity and you'll need to be ready because passing on it wasn't an option. Just saying, not next time, I'll do it next time. No, be ready today. I'll ask the question though, are you ready? Are you prepared? If somebody were to come up to you just after service and say, hey, what about you? Do you have a reason? What would you tell them? Those opportunities, they're, they're not random. They, they happen often. Maybe uh, a neighbor comes over, talking at the fence. So you know what? I'm having a lot of problem in my marriage. Or maybe a coworker at, at, at work says, had, had a loss in the family and death becomes very real and you have an opportunity. Any number of things can come up during the day where you ha will have an opportunity. God has given you an opportunity to speak the reason that you, uh, for the hope that you have. And the truth is, people are hopeless without Jesus. They are. Romans 10, 14. Kind of hits the nail on the head. But how can they tell, call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? That's, that's Crestview Christian Church right there. Our job 
is to tell others. Our job, job is to communicate who Jesus is through our life, our actions, and especially our words. Uh, it reminds me of a kind of a funny story um, about a couple of grade school kids. Uh, one, one was a Christian boy. They're on the playground. Did a great job of just laying out the gospel. Says, here's what Jesus did for you. Here's, here's what he done, did for me as well. And at the very end of the conversation, uh, the friend said, so what you're telling me is, all right, if I want to go to heaven, all I have to do is follow Jesus? Christian said, you know what? Absolutely. That's exactly what you need to do. And it's like, friend said, oh, so my mom, if she wants to go to heaven, all she has to do is follow Jesus? He's like, that's right. That's right. And if you don't want her there, don't tell her, okay? <laughs> then don't tell her. It is that simple though, isn't it? It is that simple. Acts 1.8 says we're in the witness business. That's what we need to do. We need what we need to focus on as followers of Christ. So we're going to open up our Bibles right now to uh, Acts chapter 8. If you have a, a Bible app, open it up. If you need a Bible, a physical one, they're on the side of the worship center. Please grab one right now. Acts chapter 8. We're going to learn from a man named Philip. He's our example of an effective witness. Have five things, five parts of his life that we want to focus in on. On the back of your bulletin, there's an outline of those five things on there. Please fill them, on, uh, fill them in and follow along as we go. So bring up to speed. Acts chapter 8, but rewind just a little bit. Acts chapter 1, that's where we have that verse. Jesus came to the disciples and said, you will be my witnesses. They went to an upper room, waited for the Holy Spirit. Spirit came in and they preached the gospel in the areas they were at with boldness. On the first day the church began in Acts chapter 2, there were 3,000 baptisms and, and just kind of exploded from there. It wasn't soon after, actually, in, the earlier, in, the, in verse 1 of uh, chapter 8, it starts describing this persecution that starts going on in the church. And Americans have a hard time wrapping their mind around this persecution. We, we think like uh, persecution is when they take Christmas trees off of Starbucks cups. Or uh, when there's confusion about bathrooms at Target. You know, that's, we see that as persecution. But the, it was real persecution. It was like pain, threats, jail time, life and death kind of stuff. And, and actually, th this persecution still goes on today in different parts of the world. And I hate to say it, but I, I think the American church could stand a bit more. And the reason being, pay attention to what happened as a result of their persecution. In verse 4, it said, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. They were on the run. And when they went, that just made them tell more people about the faith that they were clinging to. Verse 5 says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So here's the deal. Philip was taking the message and the ministry of Jesus into Samaria. Samaria, for the Jews, no self-respecting Jew would ever go into Samaria because they were cast out. They were unclean. However, Philip was following an example of, of Christ. 
You know, we, we know the story about the Good Samaritan. We, we know the story of, of how he went to the Samaritan woman at the well. And Philip was just doing the same. He's, he started getting involved there, healing, serving. And that's the first mark on your bulletins there. The first mark of an effective witness is that they have good hands. They have good hands. An effective witness is marked by their service. I'm not going to recap everything that, uh, that Devin said yesterday, but you know what? There are many different ways and many different things. People have needs all over the place. If they're not physical, they're emotional. Every time we have a chance to maybe take that meal next door to someone who's grieving or to be a, be a shoulder to cry on or an ear to listen to, that's being in the hands of Jesus. That's serving. That's, that's how we, we need to show the love of Christ before we speak the love of Christ. Follow along in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. Philip, I love this guy. He was told something to do. And like a soldier, yes sir, and he did it. I mean, there, there was no questioning. It was like, are you sure about this? I, I was just there yesterday or I don't know. Maybe you can find a different guy. No, Philip, he heard what needed to be done and he did it. An, effect, an effective witness has good feet. That's the second mark of a good witness. And, and they're marked by obedience. Someone who knows what they should do. They've heard it. And they go do it. They move. An effective witness that has good feet goes. The, the, the Great Commission says, Go into all the world and tell them the good news, baptizing, teaching, and they do it. Now, for us, like a couple weeks ago, that's all about connecting, going to where the lost people are, being among them. And they're everywhere, they're in a workplace. They're in our neighborhoods. They're um, at, in our schools, Aggieville, at our kids' soccer games. I mean, they're everywhere. So Philip started out in obedience, follow along, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting on, in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told him, go to that char chariot and stay near it. This is kind of where the, the story kind of takes, I don't know, kind of a, a mysterious turn. It says that he heard the spirit communicate to him. I don't know if that was in his head, if it was an audible voice, but he spoke to Philip, and I know that he still speaks to us. If we have Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior, we have the Spirit that dwells in us, and he speaks to us. What, what, what does this look like? Like a, a nudge, a prompting, an audible voice? It can be any of those, but I can tell you what, what it is for me. I, I know when, when God, when, when the Spirit is speaking in my life through a few different options. The first one is through prayer. It is 
God, I, I just don't know. I'll need you to tell me what to do. Uh, this is too big of a situation, or maybe it's less than that. Maybe I, I just want to do your will. Tell me what that is, and I'll have a sense about I'm going to move in this direction. Uh, another way, the Bible. And you know what? In and on a daily basis, and sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes I'm just, it feels like I'm taking in information. On other times, it feels like when I'm, when I'm reading Corinthians, God's like, you know what, I wrote that to the, to the church in Corinth, but also pay attention, Jared, because I need you to do that as well. I mean, it just, it pulls on my heart. Something about the, the scripture comes out that day, I'm like, you need to act on that. You need to do that. Another way is other believers, and I'm not saying the pastor up here. I'm talking about among you. It, it, when I'm in life groups, when I'm at men's post-encounters, doing our Bible study together, I'll hear someone else speak and they think they're talking about themselves. But the Spirit says, hey, listen up. That's you. That's what I want from you as well. I, I've never heard the audible voice. I've never heard the, hey, Jared, do it now. However, I've heard it in here. And we, have, we have some options. I mean, we don't have to do what they say. I mean, we, I could be too busy. You know what? God, you don't understand. I, I know I'm kind of feeling this, but man, you have no idea what I have lined out for the day. Or, or maybe uh, another reason we don't follow the Spirit is because we're, we're afraid of what he's asking. Maybe we're afraid of how it might seem to other people. And that's going to be awkward if I do that. That's a little scary. Or maybe we just don't understand. We're like, that doesn't make sense. So I'm not going to do it because it doesn't make sense to where I am. Philip, when he was asked to head south on the road, he did it. I'm sure he's like, I don't need any more exercise, but okay, let's do it. Sometimes we're too busy. And the last one, I hope it's not the case, but sometimes is, is we just don't want to. We just don't want to listen. If we're honest with ourselves, if you have Christ living in you, you've felt that nudge before, that prompting. You've read that scripture and, and been affected. And then you're like, ah, I feel like we need to, but I, you know what? I'll just chalk it up to bad guacamole, right? That was something, uh, heartburn, it, it's all good. I'll just do something else. And the more, t the more time we, we spend ignoring the spirit instead of obeying and following, the less we'll hear him. However, the, the opposite is true as well. If you take something that you're like, I feel like I need to do this, I don't know why, and it's so simple, do it. Even if it's big, do it. The more you do, the more he'll speak. The more you obey. Verse 30, follow along please. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. See, the, the, the eunuch, he was seeking. He, he had been in Jerusalem. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't able to be a Jew. However, he had the scripture in his hand. And it wasn't like 
today where you can find a Bible for a nickel in the, in a, at a garage sale? I mean, back then, it was a serious commitment. It was to pay for a scribe to make a copy of, of the whole book and write it down word for word of the book Isaiah. But Philip saw the opportunity. He likely didn't know why he was running next to this chariot. He was just was doing it. And when he was there, he's like, all right, I'm open. And he saw an opportunity to do something, and he did it. The, the, the next mark of effective witness is that they have good eyes. Good eyes, and they're watchful. They're ready for that opportunity. Reminds me of a, a, a conversation I had just three weeks ago at a, at a post-encounter Bible study with uh, one of our members named Alan. And um, it, it was, was kind of cool. I said, hey, Alan, uh, what'd you do today? He's like, well, I, went to the phys- uh, I got a physical at the doctor's today. I'm like, that sounds like fun. And I said, well, how'd it go? He said, well, actually, the doctor said I had great blood pressure. And that, that really surprised him because I was a banker. And he's like, bankers usually have a lot of stress. That surprised him. And like I said, it, it's so cool. So easygoing, natural. He didn't force it. But he said, you know what? It doesn't surprise me at all, actually. Ever since I gave Christ to my life, I've had a peace. I, I try to follow him with everything I am and let all the details work themselves out. I was like, Alan, that's just great. I mean, it, it wasn't like he took out a Bible and whack, you know what I'm saying, hit him over the head and you need to, it was, I, I have a hope. And here's why. That's evangelism. That's sharing your faith. That's taking advantage of the opportunity. Keeping your eyes open. And later on, he said, you know what? I haven't always been that way. It took practice. It took me to open up my eyes to see what's around me. Verse 31. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the response he got from the Ethiopian was, how can I? unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. It came from Isaiah the prophet. It was a prophecy about Jesus written hundreds of years before he came to earth. He was reading, he was like a sheep led to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And as a humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is this prophet talking about? Is it himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told, them, told him the good news of Jesus. Eyes, ears, hands, feet, if it doesn't include the mouth, you're not effective. So our, our last mark of an effective witness is a good mouth. Philip had the, had the opportunity, led right into it. And he could have taken a step back and say, hey, just hang out with me for a while. You, you'll kind of get the gist. You'll know that I'm a Christian. But that wasn't enough. And Philip knew it. He needed to speak the good news. What has Christ done for him? 
what has Christ done for the Ethiopian? As the story goes, the Ethiopian came to Christ and was baptized. I was trying to think through, why is it that sometimes we kind of shy away from those conversations? I wonder if one of the reasons is not, because we, we get in there, you know what, I don't have a, a Bible college degree. When I get in there, I'm not going to have all the answers. You don't need to have all the answers. Sometimes the best answer you can give to a question you don't know, actually, probably the best answer is, I don't know. But because you don't know one thing, doesn't mean you don't know anything. You do know what Christ has done in your life. And today, before, before we leave, I want to give you guys a tool Something I want to encourage every single person in this room to do. It's found at whatsmystory.org. It's right there on your bulletin at the very bottom. You don't need to write it down. Whatsmystory.org. And it's a chance. It takes you step by step by step. You go to the front page. You click a green button that says create or, or create my testimony. And like I said, it's terribly easy just to navigate through. They say, okay, what was your life like before Christ? What is something that he's done? What is your life after Christ? It is simple. Mine, a little over a couple hundred words. We need to be able to articulate the reason why we believe, why we have this hope, and this is a great place to start. I want everybody in this room to do it. it for those in life groups, I want you to do it before your group meets. And no skipping, please, Yeah? If you're not in a group, do it today. And after you do it, I want you guys to send it, listen, to my story at crestviewchristian.org. It's an email address. Again, it's on your bulletin, really easy. I'm not going to take this, put it on our website or Facebook or whatever. That's your story. However, the leaders, they want to know that you're ready. The leaders, the elders, and, and Pastor Devin and I, we want, actually, we're, Often, we, want to, we, we don't know. We know that you're a believer. We don't know the story behind it. And we would love to have that. Maybe there's an opportunity for you to, to share. Or maybe someone is struggling with the same thing that you went through. And we want to pair you up. If you don't know, and even if you do, please use it. I'm going to wrap up today with just something really simple. It's a video. Everybody know, knows about Penn and Teller, right? Uh, a comedy act in, in Vegas. Penn Gillette, he's the, he's the bigger one, of course. Um, he's an adamant atheist. And a man came up to him after his uh, act one evening and gave him a Bible, wrote a few things in it. I want you guys to hear his response from a video log that he did. He said, I wrote in the front of it and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. 
And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave you that book. That's all I wanted to say. One of the things in there that stood out to me the most said, how much would you have to hate someone to not tell them? And how many times we know of somebody in our family, at our work, in our neighborhood, we know their destination. And they need to be told. Are we willing to take that risk of feeling awkward, socially awkward, are we willing to take that risk because we know what the alternative is? I hope we are. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity that you've given us. Lord, you've placed people in our life that need you. Lord, I want to ask that you give us a spirit of boldness. Lord, I want to ask if... If we've been avoiding it, we will repent and come back and do it. Follow the leading of the Spirit. Lord, it's your name we pray. Amen.